Welcome to our weekly Church on the Rock podcast. For more information, visit us at churchak.org, download our Church on the Rock AK app, or like us on our Facebook page. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy our weekly podcast. kicking off our new series. You just saw it up there, Home for the Holidays. And when we talk about home, talk about our family, our spiritual family, the church is a great home to belong to. We're going to talk a little bit more about belonging next week. But today it's more about healing and wholeness. It's about the wounded warrior. It's about you and I and our journey towards wholeness in Jesus Christ. Very important. Jesus came to make you whole, save you, and he heal you. That's a big part of his mission. So we need to understand this morning, not the physical wounds, but the emotional wounds, those hidden wounds, uh, the memories, the recollections of the past, where you think about things and it still brings pain or shame or uh, a sense of condemnation. It just haunts us at times. Memories of abandonment. Memories of abuse, places, times where you are ridiculed or criticized, where there's been hatred or even prejudice or criticism, where you've been torn down. There's physical abuse, there's emotional abuse, there's spiritual abuse. There's all kinds of abuses out there, and we're all exposed to them one way or another. So where do you get these hidden wounds? Where do you get these emotional bruises? Well, they come from all kinds of places. Sometimes they come from our very own families. How many know that that can hurt the most? Those are deep. Brothers, sisters, parents, aunts, uncles. How about the workplace? Sometimes the workplace can be brutal. How about growing up and on the schoolyard with the kids? Boy, you talk about brutal. That could be tough. Be really tough. You don't have to be around very long in this life to get bludgeoned emotionally. Good people, bad things happen to them all the time. It's a rough, tough world. There's a lot of activity out there that's not good, and a lot of it's driven by the unseen realm, forces of darkness that we can't see. It's a driving force behind us. But we don't have to be around very long before you're touched by it. Everybody gets a wound, one or more. Emotional scars from the past, way somebody hurt you, and maybe in a serious way. Those emotional scars, again, they take a lot longer to heal than the physical. People come back from past wars. They could be physically injured, but they recover. I'll tell you what, we all know that some of them battle for years on the emotional side, the stress and the difficulty with all the stuff churning on the inside. It takes a long time. But the good news is Jesus wants to heal hidden wounds. Jesus came for that specific purpose. He was born into this world for the sin, sick, hurting, sinner, broken, emotionally bruised, messed up, mess that we are. Jesus came for all that. And he's able to do miracles in the midst of all that. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, I quoted this verse during communion. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, translated God with us. 
God with you, God with me, God with your family. God wants to get real intimate and personal with you. He didn't come just to say, all right, I saved you. See you when you get to heaven. No, he wants to journey with you through life and walk with you and touch those places, those places that you never thought could be visited. He wants to visit those places. God is not intimidated by anything. Nothing surprises or shocks him. And that's where he loves to go. He likes to transform people. A good father does that for his kids. Jesus is with us now. God with us. What does that mean for you, right where you're at in your position in life, what you're dealing with in life, what's turning on the inside? Jesus went to the temple and he stood up and he declared his mission. I love what he declared in Luke 4, 13. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. The poor is all of us, broken in spirit. He says, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to go after those hearts, those emotions, of the, where the wound is, that stuff you think could never be made whole. He says, that's where I'm going. And to proclaim liberty for those captives, those who've been held captive by those things of the past. He says, I come to set you free. And so for some of us, I hope that healing process begins this morning. Because in Exodus 15, God said, I am Jehovah Rapha. That means I am the God who heals. I like what it says in Psalms 147. He says, God heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. I bet there's some here this morning that would like that. That's what Jesus came to do. And I'm going to just lay out some real simple steps this morning. Believe me, I, I, I tend to be a common sense person. I think you're like that too. I like simple steps. If it gets complicated, I tend to lose interest real fast. I like real simple steps. And that's what I'm going to give you this morning. And they're straight out of the word of God. You know, Jesus came to heal. Came to heal physically, emotionally, in all kinds of ways. But there are principles in God's words. I'm telling you that if you do what I tell you this morning, if you begin to walk through these, take these steps, you'll get healthier, you'll get wholer, you'll get healed. It'll change your life. It's just God's word. And you just act on it. You begin to do what the word says. And you'll get better. You will. But you have to take these steps. Are you ready? The first one, and none of these, I'm not saying any of these are easy. They do take courage. It takes a little bit of fortitude. Sometimes you just got to dig real deep, right? And just say, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to put my head down. I'm going to slug it out. I'm going to get this done. So the first one is I reveal my hurt. That's not an easy thing to do, is it? Revealing really what's going on on the inside. Facing up to our feelings of shame or hurt or pain or stuff we've stuffed down inside. Didn't want to talk about it. Bible says you got to talk about it. Psalms 39, 2 through 3 says, So I remained utterly silent, not even saying anything good, but my anguish increased. My heart grew hot within me. While I meditated, the fire burned. In other words, holding that stuff inside, the hurts inside, like hot coals in the heart. It simmers, it burns, it corrodes. You know, Jesus said in this world, you're going to have tribulation. That word tribulation, one of the definitions of it is burned. In other words, you're going to get burned by some stuff, Jesus said. He says, be a good cheer because I came to overcome it. And if you hold on to that burning, whatever it is, it burns. He says, I want to I extinguish that. You know, a lot of people are tired all the time. You know, one of the causes, not all of them, one of the causes of fatigue in our life is we're using all of our emotional energy up on resentments and grudges and guilts and regrets of the past. You use so much energy dealing with all of that, we got no energy for the present, let alone the future. 
So we get tired all the time. It's emotionally draining living in those places. Because living, living, living life in a, in a sinful world with all the abuse that comes at us and the things that we have to deal with, that's hard enough. But man, when it hits you personally, it knocks the, sometimes it's just like a gut punch. knocks the wind out of you. And it's, you just can't seem to recover. So you know, a lot of people respond to abuse in a lot of different ways. A lot of people respond by trying to just forget about it. You know, just out of sight, out of mind. I'm not going to deal with it. And they stuff it. Some run from it. They run and run and run. They turn around. It's right behind them still. It's chasing after them. Some try to escape. How do you escape? Well, drugs, alcohol, pornography, sleeping around, workaholic, all kinds of avenues out there people can take. Some people just try to ignore it. Try to pass it off. Blame others. It's the victim mentality. It's not my fault. Well, maybe, maybe it wasn't. But we do have to take responsibility for the hurt that's there. And take good steps to deal with it. Some try to cover their abuse. The reason why we feel guilty is we think it's our fault. Don't want anybody to know about it. So we just push it down. We're like that Coke bottle. I tell you what, you shake that Coke bottle up enough and... Pop's ready to, it's ready to explode once the pop comes off, the top comes off. None of those things work. I think we know that. So the first one, you got to be honest with your pain and your fear and your anger and your resentment and bitterness. You got to talk to people, talk about what they did to you, whoever did to you. The only way out is beginning with revealing your hurt, the abandonment, the abuse, the ridicule, the shame being honest about it. You got to talk. Who do you, well, there's actually three people you need to talk to. The first one, obviously, is you got to be honest with yourself. You got to just say, all right, I'm going to stand up inside and say, you know what? This is what I'm dealing with. This is the shame. This is the hurt. This is the pain. Every time I think about it, it shouts at me and I need to get rid of this thing. So we got to be honest with ourselves. The second one, you got to be honest with God. You got to run to God. You got to tell God about what you're dealing with because God's not shocked by it because he was there when it happened. He sees everything. He knows. He agrees with you. He hurts for you. He loves you. And when you finally say, God, all right, I'm just going to own up to this pain in my life and I, I'm confessing my need for you. And you know what happens? You give God access to that area of your life when you do that. You simply kick the door open and he waits for us to do that because you have to have your will engaged for recovery. If your will's not engaged, it's like trying to wipe a kid that's got a snotty nose. <laughs> they don't want to be wiped. Some of us don't want to be cleaned up. And he says, look, I want to help, I want to help you here. And God says, and it's like, say, okay, God, here's my mess. And we give him access and we are honest. And we know that in the midst of all that, God is so ready to enter into that mess and that pain and to begin to work. The third one is we got to be honest with somebody you trust, a, a person, a real person, somebody who actually has skin and bones, a, a real individual who can sit there and listen and, and you can talk to. Job 13 or 18.4 says this, you, you who tear yourself to pieces in your anger. Boy, that's what it does. It just, we shred our souls when you stuff it down. So... The only person you're hurting when you're doing that is you. So you got to get it off your chest. Be honest with yourself, be honest with God, be honest with somebody. 
You're never going to get well until you reveal your hurts. Here's the second one. Are you ready? Here we go. This is, this is not an easy one, but you got to take these steps. These are non-negotiable. You can't bypass them. You can't skirt around them. You got to go this way. Though You got to release those who have hurt me. Got to release them. You can't get well as long as you're harboring the resentment if you're hanging on to it. And this is for your sake. You got to let go. For your sake, you got to let go of your right to get even. The fact is, um, all of us only have a limited amount of energy. And there's a couple ways you can spend that energy. And emotional energy can be spent two ways. Do I want to get even or do I want to get well? You can only go one or the other. You can't do both. You don't have the energy to do both emotionally. You got to pick a path. So I got to decide, do I want to get even or do I want to get well? And we begin to walk on that path. Now, getting even will not take away the pain. I think we know that. If you've ever tried to get even and you did it, you still were hurting afterwards. Didn't do any good. May have made things even worse. You didn't solve the problem. So how do you get rid of the hurt in your heart? You forgive. It's that word forgiveness. That's a tough one. We often don't like to take that route because it's not the easy route. It's the tough route, believe it or not. Because we're thinking, they don't deserve to be forgiven. And I agree. I didn't say they didn't. But neither do you. And neither did I. Yet who forgave us? Yeah, God did. So we have been uh, benefited with this grace of forgiveness. That's why you can take the step to forgive. Why? Because you've been forgiven. You've experienced it. So you got it in you. Now it's time to take the step. It's for your sake. So you can get on in life and not be stuck in the past anymore. Holding on to resentment um, allows that person that you're upset with to control your life. You're still a prisoner of their pain. That chain is still connected. The only way to break the chain is to decide to forgive. Put them in God's hands. Jesus taught a lot about this. As a matter of fact, you know, scientists have done a lot of research on how the pain inside and the unforgiveness inside does so much damage on us physically. It really does. It wrecks havoc in people's lives. And yet, this whole time, that's been written in the Word of God. They act like it's some big discovery. It's been written for a long time. Romans 12 20, uh, says this, 7, 17 through 19. It says, do not repay evil, anyone for evil, for evil. But be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends. Leave room for God's wrath. For it's written, it is mine to avenge, I'll repay, says the Lord. So he's saying you got to give up your right to get even. You, you, you got you to give it to God. The reason why we get in such a mess is we forget this. We forget that God saw the hurt and what was done to us, and we think, well, I got to take matters in my own hands somehow. It's my duty to settle the score. But it's not. It's God's duty to settle the score. Let Jesus settle the score. Let God balance the books. Let him step in and do it. He saw what happened. He saw the hurt, and he's fully capable. He knows how to do that, deal with that person better than we do. He, 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 let, he is going to justify and mete out justice at the appropriate time. And there's a season for everything. 
So either you spend your rest of your life trying to do it or you let God do it. Psalms 56, 8 says this, record my misery, list my tears on your scroll. Are they not in your recording? Do you know that God records every tear through the pain that we have suffered? Every one of them. It's remarkable. Only God can do that. He sees the injustice, the prejudice, the hurt, the rejection, everything else, and he's kept a record of it. And he's going to settle the score because he's a God of justice. He's not going to let it slip out of his watchful eye. I think the reason why we hold on to resentment uh, subconsciously, I think we think that, man, I got to remember this because if I don't, then everybody's going to forget about it and they're going to get off free. Kind of how we think sometimes, isn't it? Think that, man, I got to hold on to this somehow because this person hurt me so bad and, and if, I, if I just forget about it or I don't take care of this thing, then everybody's going to forget about it and everybody's sight and mind and they're just going to get away scot-free, but, you know, God hasn't forgotten about it. You can't get anything by God. He remembers and he's going to remember the hurt that was done and he will deal with it. It takes a lot of faith to put it in his hands. But he's God, and we're not. But it takes a lot of emotional energy to continue to rehearse and to wrestle and to rehearse and to wrestle over and over. You know, Jesus really understands abuse. Sometimes we get a picture of Jesus as this, well, God man, of course, but he did suffer what we suffered, Hebrew says. He experienced everything we experienced. As a matter of fact, when he was a baby, Speaking of Christmas, an infant, there was a hit put out on his life. Herod was going to kill him. Think about that. Do you don't think that does not have some type of an emotional traumatic effect on a child when they got to run to Egypt for the sake of their life? Well, he was just a baby or a kid. He doesn't know. Mm, there's a lot of things that happen to us when we're kids and infants that we don't know about. And later on, we find out it really emotionally traumatized us. That's, that's a big deal. How did he handle suffering? How did he handle it with religious, religious leaders of the day? The ones who had all the authority and influence of society took their stand against the Son of God. I mean, when they spoke, people listened. When they spoke, people trembled. When they spoke, people kind of got out of the way. And here they step up in their glowing robes. And they would accuse Jesus and confront him in Mark 14. It says the high priest stood up before them and they asked Jesus, are you not going to answer? What's the testimony that these, th these people are bringing against you? And, and, and Jesus, it says, remained silent and gave no answer. He didn't threaten them and he didn't even defend himself. He could have wiped them all out. He could have incinerated the world and started over. You know how many wounds Jesus had on his body before he died? He had... Six. He had a head wound. He had a face wound. He had back wounds from being whipped. He had uh, ankles or hands and ankles, feet wounds. He had the spear thrust in his side, side wound. But I really believe, and I think this is true, all the deepest wounds that Jesus really experienced and had were the emotional wounds. The hidden wounds that consisted of betrayal and denial and abuse and rejection and slander and hatred and injustice and being spit in the face. Have you ever had your name or somebody slander you behind your back and it hurt deeply? 
Man, you talk about experiencing pain. And yet Jesus, how did he handle it? This is what he did. He stretched his hands out and he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. His last statement, Father, just forgive them. He says, I will show my people the way to winning. This is what you do when people nail you to a cross. And none of it's your fault. You forgive. You put it in the Father's hands. Very simple, but very powerful. Jesus was the meekest man alive. You know what meek is, don't you? It means power under control. Oh, he could have done a whole lot of damage at that point. But he restrained himself and says, I got to show him the way to win. This is how you do it. It's pretty powerful. That's how you do it. You don't get even, you release. You know, Hebrews 12, 15 says this, see to it that no, no one falls short of the grace of God. No bitter root grows up and troubles many and defiles many among you. That's what happens if we continue to linger in our unforgiveness or our pain. We, just, we become very bitter and sour and we sour things around us. You know, if you grew up in a very toxic environment where parents were bitter and it was just toxic, that gets in you and we become like that. And we say, I'll never be like that. And yet, whatever we resist, resist, we tend to persist in our life. And we begin to actually resemble those we don't even want to be like because we've never dealt with it and we become bitter. And then unknowingly, without even our control, we pass it on to our children and those around us closest to us and it just begins to defile. It's, very, it's a very powerful thing that pain will do. Bitterness, passing through generations. And so we got to break the chain. So we forgive. So we reveal our hurt to somebody and we forgive. We, we let them go. We release our hurts. Here's the next one. Are you ready? Here we go. One more step. You got to replace the old tapes with God's truth. So your brain is like a tape recorder, man. It records every single experience in your life. Your five senses, your smell and your sight, what you see and what you touch and, and uh, what uh, you hear and, and uh, what you, all these things, your five senses, they take it all in and the brain just absorbs it like this amazing recorder. It's a powerful thing that God has created in us and it records everything down, the good, the bad, the right, the wrong, the truth and the false. But the problem is your brain doesn't distinguish between things that are true and things that are false, especially when you're a child. It just goes in, right? And then we begin to live on these things and we begin to believe these things. And the problem is when you believe a lie long enough, you begin to actually believe it's the truth. And it begins to rule our life. And we live there. And then we begin to operate on faulty data. We begin to live it out that it's not even true. Faulty data, lies, and we begin to build a self-defeating lifestyle off of that because it's false. And we set ourselves up for failure and for pain and for destruction and for more hurt. And your kids, man, you probably, some of us have had adult authority figures lie to us. You're worthless, you're stupid, you're up to no good. Why can't you be smart like so-and-so? How come you always do that? You're, you're a loser. And people have said these things, goes into the recorder, and 40, 50, 60 years later, we're still living off of that faulty information. Amen. I see it a lot. It's, it's heart-wrenching. 
You wonder, why, why do I still do the things that defeat me? Self-defeating actions and habits. So you got to replace God's, the faulty information with God's truth. Romans 12, too, very familiar verse. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God always renews us and works on the inside and then works it out. Says it begins on the inside. It's got to happen there first. Changes the way we think. How do you do that? Let me give you some real simple steps. First of all, you run to Jesus again. You run to God and you say, God, I'm taking this to you. That 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 thing that that person said to me over and over when I was a little kid or that what that happened to me, I reject that because I know it's a lie and I reject it and I renounce it in Jesus' name. I'll have nothing to do with it. I get it. I sh- and I, I'm sorry for believing it, God, but Lord, I'm acknowledging to you through my own will that that was faulty information. It's a lie and I reject it. I'll not have it in my life from this day forward. And I loose it from my soul. I loose it from my mind. I get it out in Jesus' name. How many think that's pretty easy to do? But when you're determined, then those things start to break loose because you've identified them. And then you take the next step and you begin to fill your mind with God's word. You begin to replace those old tapes with the truth. You begin to get them in there. You begin to dive into the ultimate, get your face into the divine Facebook. Get them in there and begin to really devour. That's why we encourage people so much to begin to discipline themselves in their quiet time with the Lord. Begin to feed yourself, read the word and begin to study. And if you have to, join SOMA, the School of Ministry Alaska and leverage yourself forward, getting into the truth and into the word. The more you get in this book, the more you're going to build your life on this book, the more you replace the lies. It's just how it works. On the, you know, one of the most effective things I did as a new believer is I got into scripture memory. I was challenged in it. I used to remember a lot of, uh, memorize a lot of scripture. And it was like building an arsenal that I had in me. It was powerful. It's been so helpful. The next thing you got to do is not only got to get the truth in you, but you got to believe the truth about you. That's a whole nother step. You got to believe it. 1 Corinthians six eleven says, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. That means you are without guilt, you're without condemnation, you are forgiven, you are cleansed, you are justified. That means just as if I never sinned. That's what that means. That's who you are. Once you stop across that line, step across that line and begin to give your life to Jesus and to follow him, and from that point forward, you are without fault. You are guiltless. You are without shame and regrets and hurts. God erases it. He doesn't rub it in. He rubs it out. And that's who you are. You got to get that in you. God sees you without fault because that's who you really are. You're thinking, well, that's not who I really think I am. Well, the truth says that's who you are. You're no longer a sinner, but you're a saint who sometimes sins. Why? Because your identity has been changed. Did you get that? You're a saint who sometimes has, makes mistakes and sins, but that's not who you are anymore. You're a child of God, and he's working this out of your life. He's working things in you. Let me tell you something. Psychologists have proven this over and over, that the way you see yourself, I'm talking about your self-esteem, self-worth, Self-concept is largely determined by what you think the most important person in your life thinks about you. 
Let me say it again. The way you see yourself tends to be based on what you think the most important person in your life thinks about you. So in light of that truth, and I believe that's true, I want to make a suggestion. I will suggest today that you make Jesus Christ the most important person in your life and what he has to say about you. Don't listen to the liars anymore. Don't listen to them. You gotta make a decision. The liars may have said you're worthless and you're nothing, but Jesus says something very different through his word, that you are valuable, you're acceptable, you're lovable, redeemable, forgivable, capable, usable, powerful in God, full of destiny, full of truth. God says that's who you are. That's where he's calling you to believe. You got to believe it. Who are you going to? Are we going to believe what God has to say about you? And we have to make a choice and replace the old tates with God's truth and then begin to act on them and believe them. Are you ready for the last one? Okay, first. with the new ones, with truth. That's dealing with your mind. And, and the next one here is get your attention off the past and, and onto God's plans and his future for your life. This, this is one of the real uh, problems of a lot of therapy out there. I'm not totally against therapy if it's done right. But there's a lot of popular therapies out there dealing with healing of the memories and regression into your past. And out by God, his almighty God's word. And we've got problems. I run from it, man. I'd be careful. You end up a whole lot worse. The healing counsel, according to Freud or somebody else out there or some pop psychology, boy, you better be careful. Go to the one who created you. Go to the one who knows you better than you know yourself. Go to the great psychiatrist, the great in the mind of God. Dive into his truth and talk to people and counselors. There's a lot of great, great ones out there. That, that's where they live. That's what they minister out of. That's where you need to be. I'm not saying you can't, you don't go back into the past and deal with it, because you do. You have to go back to that individual. Go back to those words and those experiences. But in that process, at that moment, is where you, you forgive and you release and you invite the Holy Spirit to heal that place so that he can spring you loose and send you into your future. No longer to stay camped out there. You don't camp out at that place. You deal with it and you move on. Amen? Philippians 3.13, this is what Paul said. One thing I do, forgetting what's behind me and straining toward what's ahead. He had to do that. Paul made a lot of mistakes, persecuted the church, threw Christians in jail, had them killed. I mean, you can imagine living under that kind of stuff. If he was going to move into the purpose of God for his life, which he fully did, he had to forgive himself, and he had to receive forgiveness from God. And let me tell you, you and me forgiving ourselves, sometimes that's the hardest thing to do. But you got to let yourself go so you can move into the future. So you can be effective for what God has called you to. Because he's got things for you. All right? Yeah, I blew it, but I've been forgiven.
You focus on the future. Keeping your heart right and keeping your eyes on Jesus and leaning into what he has for you because your future is in his hands. It's not in that person's hands or somebody else's hands or whatever they said about you. No, it's what God says about you. It's in his hands. So don't focus on your hurt. Focus on the healer. That, that's going to require you to face your world, to not withdraw, but to live your life for God as a victorious believer, not a victim anymore. Forgetting is caused by refocusing. And you refocus on Jesus you don't forget the past by saying, I'm going to forget the past. I'm going to forget the past. I'm going to forget the past. I'm going to... That's all you're focusing on. That's all you're thinking about the whole time. It doesn't work. You refocus on Jesus Christ and his plan and purpose for your life. Become consumed and committed to him. Become ferociously righteous and walking with him. Laying hold of him. You know what? I don't have time to think about the past because I'm refocusing on something better, right? My past is not my future. I'm not going to be defined by my past anymore. That was then. This is now. I'm not going to be stuck in the past. I don't have time to stay stuck in the past. I'm going to move into the future by the power of the resurrected Christ in me. That's what he does. He springs us loose. Gets us out of the rut. Rut's just a grave with both ends kicked out. Not going to live there. That's the old me. This is the new me. You got to make these declarations sometimes. That's what I used to be. That's not what I am now. I'm certainly not what I'm going to be because my past is not my future. You believe that this morning? This is how the world spells relief. Because look, a lot of people deal with a hurt, they'll do almost anything to stop it. Get stoned, get drunk, pop pills, go to bed with somebody they don't know, do anything. And, and, and so the world spells it this way, uh, sex, drugs, alcohol, porn, work, whatever. But I want to suggest you spell relief this way, J-E-S-U-S. Jesus! Let that be in your vocabulary. Because the world can only offer you temporary painkillers that relieve the pain. And I'm going to give you three, three problems with painkillers. Number one, they, they don't last. Number two, they're addicting. And number three, number three is they never solve the problem. There you go. So when you come down from that experience, that high, that fair, that fling, or whatever it may be, you're still lonely, still ashamed, still bitter, still angry, still feel worthless. So we got to stop the quick fixes if that's where you're living. They don't work. I'll have the worship team come out. You got to give your life to Jesus because the boyfriend doesn't work and the girlfriend isn't working and that habit isn't working because only Jesus can work. Only Jesus is the answer. There is no plan B. It's just Jesus. Run to Jesus. Run to the power source. Run to him. I remember, you remember Apollo 13, that movie? The famous words, Houston, we have a problem. They got to get back to earth and they can't. They had to figure out how to enter earth's atmosphere without being incinerated. What did they do? True story. 
they had to keep earth in the center of that little round window. It's like, I mean, they had to keep earth right there. And they did it. And they entered into the atmosphere and they survived. And for us, I'm telling you, my friends, you got to keep Jesus right in the center of your focus. It's all about Jesus. That's why when we come in here, you guys, that's why we praise Jesus. We thank Jesus. We love Jesus. We serve Jesus. We follow Jesus. We run after Jesus. We talk about Jesus. We believe in Jesus. We give our lives to Jesus. We depend on Jesus. We have faith in Jesus because it's all about Jesus. All about Jesus. Run to Jesus. Run to him. Let's stand together. Thank you, Lord. Jesus. Let's just take a moment. If you're here this morning and you've been walking around with that bruise, that emotional bruise, and you've been trying to protect it, because when people bump into it and they rub on it, it hurts. When somebody says something and it brings something up or somebody does something, or you see that person and it's like, ugh, you just kind of growl on the inside. God says it's time to deal with it, right? But he wants to give you courage this morning to take the steps you know you need to take. Get on the pathway of healing and keep Jesus right there the whole time. Just keep him right there. You pray. Let's pray. Father, we just, we come to you right now. I pray for those, God, in that very difficult place where it's like we're at the valley of decision. There's a crossroad and we have to, we have to make, take that step, God, to be to deal with the pain. Lord, I pray you'll give them courage. You'll strengthen their will to do the right thing, Lord, to talk to somebody, to begin to be honest and to begin to, Lord, dive into your truth and begin to transform their minds like never before. They begin to put teeth into their walk and pursue you like they've never pursued you before. God, I pray, Lord, grace your people, those that are in that difficult place that ability to move forward because a smoldering wick you're not going to stuff out and a bruised reed you won't break for God you are ready to enter our world at a whole new level a whole new dimension you are God with us and you want to be with us in the mess and in the pain and every part of our life because you came to transform us God we believe you for that in Jesus name amen Thank you for listening. For more of our podcasts and to discover how you can connect, visit us at churchak.org or download our Church on the Rock AK app from either iTunes or Google Play.